Welcome to the New Vision Church podcast. New Vision Church is a diverse, Bible-teaching, Jesus-centered church in San Diego, California, and exists to transform people and their communities by replicating followers of the biblical Jesus. Thanks for joining us today. Now here's this week's sermon. Good evening, good evening, New Vision Church. How you doing this evening? That's loud. Hey, my wife didn't know I was preaching tonight, so surprise. <laughs> I thought I'd do that. That'd be kind of fun. Anyways, we're going to be uh, going out of the, the book of 1 John tonight, chapter 4. Let's go ahead if you get a chance. Turn your Bibles to 1 John, chapter 4. You know, it, it is such an honor and a privilege tonight to be able to, to have this baby dedication. Some of you guys have no idea what me and my family had been through to have this baby. This boy, I mean, we went through everything. Hyperemesis, ever, I mean, it was crazy. Living in hospitals, my wife was in, in tubes all in her neck. Every three hours, she's bedridden for nine months. I have to put a whole bunch of medications together and give her IVs every three hours while trying to do full-time school, while trying to do ministry, while trying to take care of Grace, which is super hyper. Yeah. You guys have like three or four-year-olds? You know what I'm talking about. And then COVID hit. So now getting to this point and making steps where we could be as a family and and be able to to have this baby dedication means the world to me. You know, the baby dedication is something that it's where the parents come together and and, and it's for the kids, but it's also for the parents. The the parents have a responsibility to do it in front of the church body because the church body is witnesses to hold them accountable that they're going to raise their kids to know Jesus. And just like my, my kids, they love watching Coco Melon. I don't know if you guys ever heard of Coco Melon before. Coco Melon. Head, shoulders, knees, and toes. There's different aspects of knowing Jesus. You got the head. That's when you know, you know, you thought you know Jesus. But all that you know and you learn and you find out about Jesus, it has to go then to the heart, from the head to the heart. We learn theology, we learn the Bible, we study it, we grow. As Christians, we're supposed to do that too. Don't think we're not. But then it has to come to how is our knowledge going to be applied in our heart? Are we going to have that love as Christians that we're supposed to, that defines us as Christians? Then from the heart to the hands and feet. Is our love just for our own life, or do we share that with others? And so the same principle that we learned in this baby dedication is the same principle that John is speaking of to the church. In chapter 4, it's really about discernment. You know, to give you a little context, they had a bunch of false teachers coming around who claimed to have this knowledge. They knew stuff. But one, they didn't know what they thought they knew. And two... They didn't know it in their heart. They didn't have it in their heart. They didn't show love to others. And so we're going to see how we can take that and learn for our own lives to examine, not just for other people that we look at to see, and for false teachers and prophets and all that stuff, but also to re-examine our own life. And I got to be completely honest with you. When I preach out of 1 John, it convicts me sometimes. Sean, you haven't been acting like that today. And I have to wrestle with that. And I have to pray and ask for forgiveness. And I have to say, okay, you know what? How can I apply what I just studied 
into my life right now. Because no matter how many degrees I get, no matter how much I study the Bible, if I don't love my wife, it means nothing. If I don't love my kids, it means nothing. If I don't love God's church, it means nothing. If I don't like the, love the lost, it means nothing. Amen? All right, let's go ahead and pray. Oh, dear Father God, thank you so much just for the opportunity to be able to, to be here and worship together. Father God, I ask that your words be spoken from your word and that you open up our hearts to just learn and glean off what your word says. And Father God, after we learn, help it resonate in our hearts and let it show it to others. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen. 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 So 1 John chapter 4, John's writing, it says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. You heard that it's coming, and it's now in the world. So now we're going to start off with the head. We got to learn some stuff, okay? Christians are not called to be spiritual gullible, okay? We have to learn about Jesus. We have to be able to discern between truth and error, Okay? Truth and error. So verse one, we're gonna just tackle this. Spirit, but to see whether they are so here we're gonna be talking about spirits. Everybody say two spirits. Deception comes from who? The enemy. So the spirit of Antichrist is the spirit of deception that is in these false prophets, but also in the world that we live in today. You know, I believe God speaks today. But in the time of the apostles and the time of Old Testament and ancient Israel, a lot of times that's how God communicated to his people was through prophets. Yes. There was a lot of false prophets and a lot of false teachers going around saying what they were saying was from God. So how do we discern that? Well, we got to have some way to test that out, right? Well, the Bible actually gives us two ways in Deuteronomy. The first way to test it is to see if it comes true. That's how they used to test it. Like, if a prophet said, thus in the name of the Lord, and whatever they said, the claim that was going to happen does not happen, false prophet. X amount. Matter of fact, they were killed. One of the benefits of that is we know that it's from the Lord, then we can count on it. And that's why a lot of us can believe and come to faith, even myself included, because all the Old Testament, the thousands of prophecies, every single last one of them came true, including Isaiah. We can know because it comes true. The second way is if it leads people astray to idols. You guys know my son's name, Elijah. It's named after my favorite prophet in the Old Testament, Elijah. And there's a story that me and my wife, we were having our Bible time uh, in the morning about a week ago, and we were reading about the story of Elijah and the prophets of Baal. The 450, and I don't know if you guys ever read that in Kings, but I want you to go back and read it sometimes. Elijah was clowning 
He's like, oh, your prophet, what's he asleep? Oh, he must have something to do. If somebody is trying to get you to follow God, but it's a different God than the God that we serve, that's not from Jesus. That's not from the word. So those are the two ways that, that we can show the sermon. But John's going to show us that there are different ways to show. And he's going to say, because of this or by this, he's going to show different ways that we can show the sermon to tell about these people. John's going to show us that you can tell one from somebody's doctrine. And two, well, you can tell by, by somebody's conduct too. Not just their spiritual gift. Because no matter, even if you hear me preach, look it up. Don't just believe everything you hear. Verse 2 through 3, we're going to go back to that because we're going to break this down. He said, by this. Everybody say, by this. By this. He's going to do a number of these. You know the Spirit of God. So by this, you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. So John establishes this, this doctrinal standard. And it's a Christological one at that. You see, some of these false teachers were saying that uh, Jesus only appeared to be human. That all flesh was evil. This was a group called the Gnostics. And they, they even got more relevant in, in the 200 uh, cent, or in the second century. There was also a group that viewed that Jesus was only divine for a certain amount of time. They were called the Corinthians, that somehow during the baptism of Jesus, that's when he got his divinity, and at the cross, that's when it left. But you see, for Christianities, we have to believe that, oh, wait, wait, there's one more group. I'm sorry, I can't believe this. The group called the Arians, right? But later on, their theology got adopted to this group that we all love. You know, the, the 144,000. Jehovah. Jehovah Witnesses, which are not the 144,000. If you're in my life group, you know that. We talked that last week. All right, so don't you, I don't know how many times, like, if you ever took a nap and hear this knock on the door and you try to ignore it and you try to go back to sleep, but it just keep on knocking. So you finally get up, you wipe the boogers out of your eyes and you finally get up and you go and it's one of them. Man, I used to have a field day with them too, but you know, the problem with them is they don't believe that Jesus is the one and true God. You see, Jesus, when it says to come in the flesh, it means Jesus is 100% human and 100% God. And John was the eyewitness of that because not only did John see Jesus die on the cross, not only did he see him walk around for up to 40 days, but he also saw when Jesus was hungry. He also saw when Jesus was thirsty. And he also saw when Jesus wept. That's part of our, our, our natural Christian. We have to know that. that that's a huge thing. Matter of fact, the Council of Nicaea was a big part of that. And as a church tradition, I'm not saying this is true. There's many different versions of St. Claus and St. Nick, but since it's Christmas time, I thought I'd say it's just a church tradition. They say that, that Santa Claus or St. Nick, upon his conversion, used to donate toys anonymously to the poor. And during the Council of Nicaea, which is one of the, the biggest councils of all time, because it was over this topic right now, whether Jesus was 100% God, 100% human. They said somebody doubted, the, the, said something that Jesus wasn't God, and he punched him in the mouth. <laughs> he sees you when he's not. Um, now I started thinking of that song, I was like, wow, he really knows good and nice. No. All right, so the conflict, though, but John is having these with these teachers. 
And when it talks about the world, I want you to know this. It's not just the, the, the plants and the earth and, and the earth. The world is a system that does not believe in God. Okay, and, and so when we talk about the world or we talk about the Antichrist, the, the, the source of denial or confusion, you can look around and see everything coming against what God's beliefs are. I mean, if you look at even in schools today, like you, you see what some of the things where the people are teaching, it's like, wow, evolution, huh? Yeah, so like we all came from, from, from apes. Okay, that makes sense, right? Or, 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 or like the, 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 the everything, all existence started from something the size of a, 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 a pen like this? You got to have more faith. As a Christian, I don't have that much faith. Or that two rocks came together and banged each other. Who big banged them? Who created the rocks? Who created the power that it must take for them to bang together? Plus, it goes against science's number one rule. Chaos plus chaos cannot lead to order. There had to be a creator. Anyways, that's off topic. I'm not going to go too far on that. But John is having conflict with these teachers and these people. And we can see that it wasn't a leadership one or it wasn't a personality one like most conflicts are. This was a spiritual one. You see, you can't rely on a love that you don't know. A lot of Christians don't read their Bible. Why? Don't you want to know who you love? And... But you can rely on a love that you do know. So 1A, going to go to the next section. He who lives in you is greater than he who lives in the world. Now everybody say context. context. All right. So there's a couple of verses in the Bible I'm just going to throw out there. This happens to be one of them. There's two passages tonight. It's talking about this. It says this in verse uh, 4. Little children... You are from God and have overcome them. Okay? Oh, everybody say overcome. Overcome. For he who is in you is greater than he who lives in the world. So the context of this, okay, so there, there's something called exegesis, and, and this is basic biblical hermeneutics. There's something called exegesis and eisegesis. One is, I'm going to take what the Bible says for what it says. And one is, I'm going to try to say something I want to say, and I'm going to add a verse or two just to back up what I want to say. The problem with that is there's God's word versus man's thoughts and opinion. And so just in case, even though you could get it right, I try to stay away from that because I want to make sure I get it right because I am fallible. Okay. So here he's talking about truth versus non-truth. And so by the Holy Spirit living inside us, the overcoming that he's talking about is that we, because we have the Holy Spirit with discernment from the Holy Spirit, we can overcome deception. Okay? We can overcome, which they can't. Why? Because they don't have the Holy Spirit in them. And that's what their thoughts are. Their thoughts are of the world. Where it talks in verse 5, it says, they are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God, and whoever knows God, remember knows is having a personal relationship with. It's not just head. We're going to talk about more of the heart. God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. And by this, everybody say by this. We know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. By having the Holy Spirit living inside you, we can tell these things. Because it takes the Holy Spirit for us to be able to hear and, and understand the, the revelation of God. Hallelujah. We need the Holy Spirit to understand that. 
Come on and preach and teach. The false teachers were successful. Why? Because their thinking and their theology were lined up with the world. They were empowered by worldviews. You see, Jesus didn't care about that. He came to flip those same views upside down. He came to flip the world. Why do you think it's so hard when you come to Jesus to follow Jesus? Because it's different than everything you've ever known. It's the exact opposite. And it hurts and the pride gets you and you struggle. But you get better if you keep pushing through and you keep on trying. You know, Jesus himself, he didn't convince most of the leaders of his time. Matter of fact, some of his followers were even fickle. Some of us today are like that. Some of us today struggle with that. For some, the spiritual deception of the world is more attractive or possible than the actual truth of the gospel. Verse 6, we talked about no. Now, there's a clear contrast, as you can see, between us and the world. And the false teachers were popular because they would tell people things that they wanted to hear. They were like the Oprah Winfrey of preaching. Who wants a blessing? Who wants a blessing? You got a blessing. You know what I'm saying? They were just like, whatever you need, hey, I know what you want to hear. I'm naming and claiming in Jesus' name. I prophetically tell you, you're going to get that man that you always wanted. You don't have to have no more financial doubt. Actually, God told us the opposite. He said, you're going to suffer. He said, life's going to be hard. And you know what? You might not have a house because I don't have a house. You might have to give up everything and forsake. Every matter of fact, you will have to forsake everything to follow me. You got to listen. Line that stuff up with scripture. Next time you hear somebody tell you some crazy stuff and you want to believe it because it sounds good. I hear you. I wanted to believe it too. Oh, he's speaking in my life. You know, sometimes people could have their own agenda. But the clarity, the clarity, listen to this, the clarity that results in people showing their true colors is priceless. You got to learn this Bible because if you can't rely on a love that you don't know, how are you going to know something that you, how are you going to believe something that you don't know anything about? Come on. Number two. Everybody say number two. Number two. The heart. Remember, because we can learn all this stuff, right? We can learn theology, and, and that's good. We have to. Do not be spiritual gullible. You want to learn. You want to grow, okay? But somewhere down the line, what we learn in our head has to come right here. It has to show up our heart. We have to live this, okay? Otherwise, none of that means nothing. None of it. Preach. Unless you actually live it. If you don't hear nothing else I say, hear that. You know, Pete has a saying, and I forgot it, but (laughs) it's something like this. It's something like this. If, 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 you know what? I'm just going to say the other one. It's (laughs) fine. At that, I, all right, so this is my new quote. Uh, if there's no transformation, there might be no salvation. Okay. 
Because once you hear the gospel, if nothing has changed in your heart, maybe, what, what were you hearing? What? <sighs> Go ahead, say it, Pete. <laughs> say it, Spurgeon. Go ahead. If you meet Jesus and your life don't change, maybe your destiny hasn't changed. Amen, amen, amen. Okay, okay. We got it. So we know that the love, okay, so we're going to read verse 7. It says this. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever has loved has been born of God and knows God. And whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Now, Loving, this does not rule out the need for a faithful confession in Christ. That has to happen, okay? That has to happen. There's no confession of Christ, nothing, okay? I, I want that to be clear. Love is a consequence of and not a precondition or prerequisite to be born of God, okay? It's a consequence. So what I mean by that is you don't have to love God first, God showed you love first. Even before you even knew he was God, he had a plan for your life. And, and before you even could say, I love you, God, he already showed you love without you even knowing it. Love completes the picture of life, of a, belief, a person in belief, a fellowship. You see, the unbeliever, he, he, they can love, right? Because you know that, like somebody unbeliever, they love their kids. Or they might love their sister or something like that. But you can't love in the same way as somebody that has the indwelling of the Holy Spirit living inside it. Because sometimes that love requires forgiveness. Sometimes that love, seeing somebody like Jesus sees them and not like somebody else. You know, matter of fact, in this, in this whole book, John says the word love 46 times. In this short passage, he says it 32 of those 46 times. So it must be kind of important, right? Now, John is not saying that when we read verse, verse, verse 8, let me say it again. It says, in this love is, and God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son in the world so that he might live through him. Oh, excuse me, I went way past. Do not love because God, God is love. Now, John is not saying that God is only love. He has more attributes than that. And God is not saying that love itself is God because that's not biblical. What God's love means is that God is the source. God is the source of love, and he is the prime example of love. We see that even in the Trinity before creation. If a person doesn't have love in their life, they might not really believe what they confess they believe. Verse 9 In this love of God was made manifest. It revealed himself among us. Okay, the Greek word uh, in him also means in us. So God revealed himself among us, but the Holy Spirit also reveals himself in us and through us. Amen. Bottom line is God sets the standard. In this love, not that we have loved, God uh, but that he loved us and set up his son to be an atonement for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God 
if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Now, how many of you guys have ever read this verse right here? It says, nobody has ever seen God in his life. Huh, what? Raise your hand. That's it? I remember when I first read that, I'm like, what do you mean nobody's ever seen God? What about Jesus? Isn't Jesus God? Didn't the disciples see God? I mean, you look at, to, in Romans 1, it says that you can see God through creation. It talks about uh, all through the OT and the NT, even in Revelations, how John himself saw the Father and inscribed him in colors. Or how he saw Jesus himself and described him in symbolization. So what does it mean for John, the same John, and this wasn't before Revelation, what does it mean that nobody's ever seen God? Nobody has ever seen him in his fullness. We couldn't take that. Number 2A, we abide in his love because his love abides in us. Verse 13, by this, everybody say by this. We know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the whole world. When he says we, he's talking about the apostles. But this particularly would have been unique and true for, for John. You know, John was actually handpicked by Jesus himself. But this is also true for subsequent believers who witnessed the same truths. Verse 15 says, okay, and we have seen the testified that the Father, verse 14, excuse me, has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. And 15 says, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe that the love of God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in him, love abides in God, and God abides in him. So we see confession is required. And if we see this, we can understand why the 100% human and why the 100% divinity is so important. Because if God wasn't 100% human and he wasn't 100% God, then there would not be no atonement for our sins. So now you can see why this theology is so important. And we can't think, well, Jesus might not have been God or that he wasn't human because and needed that equation to fit perfectly. And he was the only purpose sacrifice. Why do you think Santa Claus was so mad? I was supposed to laugh at that. Okay. But we can see here. Now, I just got in a little theological thing with, with uh, somebody, my, my friend right here. The assurance... Is the main part. It's one of the biggest reasons why John wrote this. And the person said, it's abide. It's both. Because right here, we see that if we abide in him, the assurance is that he will abide with us and never leave us. And this abiding is the walk, the love, the head, the heart, the hands and the feet that Jesus was talking about. But you can't rely on a love that you don't know. 
So there's no assurance if you don't know him. If you're not abiding, you can't rely on his love, on his abiding. Number 17. By this, everybody say by this. this. Love is perfected or matured in us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Listen to this. By this, okay, the Holy Spirit living inside us, by this, us abiding in him, him abiding in us, okay, this is the context, so that we may be confident for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in the world. Therefore, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. So by this, he's reversing what we were talking about. And the eternal life that he's talking about, or eternal judgment that he's talking about, is something that all humanity is going to have to deal with at one point or another. And, and, and matter of fact, what he's kind of saying is that we don't have to have fear. Is in the Old Testament, when they talked about the day of the Lord or the day of judgment, that was something that the Jewish people feared. But as Christians, it's something that we can look forward to. Because we have that assurance. We abide. The no fear and love, that does not rule out the fear of the Lord. And that does not mean fear in any other context. What it means is this, that we do not have to fear eternal punishment because we abide in him. So we have that assurance. We know what's going to happen at the end of the game. You just go like two more books, three more books, and you see Revelation. But you can't rely on that love. Number three, so now we talked about the, the head. Okay, you got to know it. Then we talked about the heart. But now we're going to talk about the hands and feet. This is what overflows from the heart. If you love God, you'll love his kids. You'll love that neighbor. It's called love in action. Everybody say love in action. Love is a noun, but it's also a verb. Now, me and Pastor Pete, uh, not too long ago, we were driving through Logan Heights, and we're driving down the streets, and we saw this church, and Pastor Pete pointed out the statue, this big statue of Jesus, but Jesus had no hands. And when you read the sign, it says, you are the hands of Jesus. And, and, and so it meant to be like, you're supposed to serve. We don't take that first step of faith to go do it. And that's what I love about this church. We are outreach minded. It's in our DNA. It is what we do. I mean, we got a huge outreach that we're about to do in less than a month that's going to bless thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And we're going to share the gospel. We're going to see lives change. And you have an opportunity to know about Jesus 
and you love Jesus to get out and use your hands and your feet to serve his people. Now, if you got family obligations or you can't make it today, no problem. But find some way to serve God. Whatever it is. Find something to do because we are called to be the hands and the feet to walk out there and have the love that is in our heart overflow to our neighbor. Because if we don't do that, well, we'll start sounding like these people that John's talking about. God's love always takes the initiative, but it's up to us to follow through on the other end. Verse 19, or 8, 19. Because he first loved us. That's what we're saying. It takes the initiative. His love was demonstrated in many ways. Matter of fact, you see in some of our lives, some of us, where we came from, our testimony, you can see it in things like a Hope Toy Drive or just somebody reaching out and seeing somebody at the bus stop crying saying, do you need prayer? You can see his love in many ways, but the main way that you can see his love, creation, all that too, we say that too, is what he did on the cross. What he did on the cross for you, what he did on the cross for you, and what he did on the cross for the person that you don't even like. Well, we will. Just one more minute. Now, I know, you know, people say, we hear this a lot, especially if you do evangelism, I'm a good person. Any morally good human action are good, not because they conform to any arbitrary human standard of good, but they are rooted in the imitation of the morally perfect character of God. His love replaces our selfishness. Verse 20 to 21 says this. If anyone says, have anybody ever said I love you God before? Okay. If anyone says I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God who he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must love his brother. Now, you notice how he said commandment. He didn't say compromise. He didn't say question. It's a commandment from God. There's, there's no, there's no, nothing. It's like, like a test. If you don't do it, you fail. Yeah. Period. You know, it's easy to say that our love doesn't cost much than more than, well, I, I, I have a relationship myself. Me, 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 me my God, you know, we, he, he understands me. He understands my heart. He does understand your heart. He knows how wicked it is too. Or... We say that it doesn't cost more than just attending a regular religious service like church. But the real test of loving is loving the people that are right in front of you. Loving people in the church. Loving people in the community. Loving people in your own home. 
even loving the people that you don't agree with. You see, one thing that we got to remember is that Christ died for them too. When he was on the cross and the nails were in his hands and he was bleeding and suffering and had all the stripes on his back and, and got hit and punched and beard trimming and stabbed and everything and the suffocation was coming out of him. He thought about you and he thought about the person that you don't like. The person that you don't agree with. The person who has different political views than you. The person who looks at cultural things differently than you. The person who looks at anything different than you than the way you perceive it, the way you want them to do it, and God died for them too. Now, you can say this. Well, but, I know I'm supposed to love them, but, when you say but, you completely take away everything else that you said. There is no but on this one. You have to look at people the way Jesus does. And they're not perfect, just like you ain't perfect, just like I ain't perfect. Who needs to follow this? Me. I need to look at people like that. Because sometimes I don't agree with people. Sometimes people get on my nerves. To know Jesus, to know his love, we have to show them how it has to affect their heart, that they can't just go to church, or they can't just go to Awana, and they can't memorize, just memorize all the verses, but don't have the love for their neighbor in their heart, or don't have that truth when they're worshiping, don't just go through a routine. Remember why. Your worship in the first place. Remember what he did for you. And then I have to teach them how to serve. I got to teach them that if you want to love God, you got to love your neighbor. You got to love your kids. Hey, if you don't love my kids, you don't love me. Period. You do not love my kids. You do not love me. Well, how do you think God feels when his love is perfect? And he would do anything for you. Not... Oprah will bring anything, let me clear, but he'll do anything for you if his sins will that that will glorify him. <sighs> but sometimes when we this is the problem with this. This is where we, this is where I have been, like one of these false teachers. Trying to teach our kids something that we're not applying ourselves. Then we become like them. Then we become like the world. So my challenge to everyone here tonight, including the challenge to myself, as we did this baby dedication, you guys hold us accountable. Just like as pastors, we hold you guys accountable. for family. That we have to really learn this stuff, but we have to live it out in our lives. And then we have to go out and love people. Amen. And we have to teach our kids to do the same. Because if we're not teaching them, it's going to teach them something else. And if you're being the hypocrite, they ain't going to listen to you no more. You got no words that will apply life in their life. So, 
The challenge is, let's live out the love that we know. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Dear Lord, tonight, we all come before you. We surrender ourselves to you. You are our God. And for those who proclaim Jesus as Lord and not just Savior over their life, you gave us a challenge through your word tonight. As John reminded the church to not be hypocrites, to not just be spiritually gullible and believe what everybody says, to actually pick up their Bible and try to get to know you. If your Bible is the word and your word reveals yourself to us, then we should always try to learn more and get to know you more every day of our lives. And then the love is we need to apply that in our lives to resonate the love to not just go through the motions of this Christianity, but to really, really, truly believe and love you like you love us. And then let us reciprocate that to others by loving people. That is our mission because that glorifies you and that shows the world that we are yours. So let us be good children. And let us show the world that we are yours tonight and forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us. Contact us or learn more at our website, newvision.city. See you next time.